and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 60. I'm very glad to have you here. My name is Brooke McCallery and um, this is Ben. Hey. G'day. How are you? Well, how are you? Good. We're um, talking to you from the future or the past. We're always know. talking people <laughs> from the I'm trying to work it out. Past. Because we're, we're in the past, right? Yes. Sort of, well, yeah, sort of. But yeah. anyway... We are recording this in Australia, but by the time you hear it, we'll be in Canada. Podcasting done right. Yep. <laughs> Super professional. Yes, that's right. We are ex- extremely jet lagged. We're most likely sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and excited out of our brains, brains to be in Canada. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there, really, but it is a hostful. It's over there. <laughs> Good. This is a hostful episode, and we've got some really, really good questions, actually, as always, um, this month. They're the most difficult questions we've ever had. Okay. That's a big call, but I'll go with it. Um, I put a call out on Facebook last week and got a really excellent selection, but um, we just won't have time to answer all of them today. So, for those of you whose questions we don't answer... Just know that we will, we've got them, you know, lined up for, for future episodes of the Hostful. I will say that next month's Hostful, we think that we'll do a slow travel hmm. styled show. So if you have any questions about traveling and particularly, you know, intentional traveling and not running from site to site and kind of learning how to be in the moment, even when you're on the road, then please uh, either facebook us with your questions or leave a comment on today's episode which is over at slowyourhome.com slash 60 let us know your your travel related questions and we will answer those next month get straight into the show i reckon all right Amy's written in and her question is, what about balancing planning for the future, be it retirement or future big purchases or things you want to teach your kids when they're at the right age with living and enjoying the moment? Sometimes I seem like I'm planning our lives away. It's a really good question and one that I think is a pretty common struggle because you know, part of, part of slowing down and simplifying is the desire to be in the moment, but you know we also want to be responsible adults and provide you know stability and and like be it financial stability um, or routine for our family. So it can be quite difficult to feel like we're finding that balance. And I think the answer is that there's not necessarily a balance, but it's not dissimilar to the idea of tilting that I talk about with. Uh, you know, time management and things like that. There are seasons for um, planning and living quite a planned way. And then there's seasons for being able to live more in the moment. I think, you know, there's always an opportunity to live in the moment, like in your day to day, live really mindfully and, and presently. But there's absolutely, you know, nothing wrong with, with living quite a planned sort of life. And I think the bigger question is we don't want to feel like we're throwing away our future, you know, uh, by living 
living large now. And that's something that I struggle with. I don't have a particularly, you know, articulate answer because I often find myself thinking about these kind of ideas of, well, you know, we, we want to travel and we want to have all these wonderful experiences now. And we do, but you know, what, what are we costing 70 year old Ben and Brooke? Like, do you, mm. do you struggle with that? Do you worry about that? Of course. Yeah. 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 I, for me, it's the planning is all about financial factors. And right. that's the way that I always look at it. I mean, you, you did mention big purchases and retirement, whether we're going to have enough money in retirement if we're, we're living in the moment. But it's not a really – it's actually, it's not a balancing act because I feel like they, they run in tandem most of the time. Yeah. That you're – for whatever reason, you, you make sacrifices for a bigger picture piece, mm-hmm. whether it's um, a holiday or whether it's the kids' school – um, we've just got someone walking in. We have to an our interloper studio, studio at the moment, <laughs> doing some colouring in. So for me, it, it it's not really a balancing act, but it's it's about them running parallel with one another to an end game, which is a you want to live in an intentional way, but by doing that, you're also got your eye on and and focused on the on the bigger longer term picture that's right i don't they're not one or the other no, for me they're not they're, no they are they are the same thing but maybe for amy they're not though that's maybe what she's getting at mm. and i do think that there is a school of thought kind of doing the rounds on the internet now where it's just like well screw the future let's live for the now and that's fine to a point but when you do have goals you know savings goals or retirement goals or you've got family that you want to provide for that's not that helpful you know so i think that it's you it's got to be tempered by um reality and i think the other thing is we can live in the moment while still planning Mm. and i just in terms of you know just paying attention to what's happening in front of us right now like so you can over plan yes you can over plan your day-to-day i would i would say that do you do you find yourself over planning No. no not anymore i used to I used to be a big over planner. Now it's much easier for me to tap into like what just needs to happen mm. and what um, like both in terms of really boring stuff like running the house and, mm. you know, getting on top of work. But also in terms of as a family, we need like a weekend off. We need time to just sit outside on the grass and talk and play and go for a bushwalk. And, yeah. like we, you know, they don't need to be big things. But I do think that they're a reprieve from that constant planning. So I mean, you know, do we have a do we have a we have like a five year plan, don't we? But it's not written down anywhere, no. and it's very fluid. Yeah, it's very agile. I don't, really don't feel like. I would never. If someone asked me, "Do we have a five year plan?" I would say no, but yeah. we do. Like we talk about the future. Yeah, you know what I think it is. It's all about people's personalities yes. and risk appetite. So, um, I I will find myself a very risk adverse person. Yeah, probably. Um, I think it's changed a little bit recently. It took a lot for me to start my own business, Mm. a lot of thinking and questioning and, you know, that that, that felt really, really high risk for me. And so I think with... With people that take risks more openly, I think it's easier and maybe it's not a – you don't plan as much. So I'm looking at you because that's where I think that mm-hmm. your personality is, where I'm more risk-adverse. So I'm all about, right, what, what, what can we set up now for this – for to mitigate 
how this risk looks in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's. Yeah. I think it's down to people's personalities Absolutely. in there. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know that that's a particularly helpful answer for you, Amy, but like, I, I think that the gist of it is that there is absolutely a risk of overplanning life, but what that looks like for you might be different to what it looks like for me, um, you know, whether you're a big planner or not. Mm. And then it doesn't need to negate, you know, the, the, the living in the, the moment that we're striving to, to do by living more intentionally. Um, if you have a follow-up question. That's, a, you, nice, that's a nice nice response though. Yeah. yeah. But if you do have a follow-up question or you want to clarify it, let us know because I'm, I'm more than happy to dig into that because I think they're really big questions mm. that come up as we start to explore this idea of slowing down, simplifying, getting more intentional. And it's – like there's no easy answer, so I would love to to dig into that. The the last part of your question, Amy, is sometimes I seem like I'm planning our lives away. That's sort of what I was feeling when I was making the decision to go out and start my our own business. But the 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 voice in my head was, "What if?" You know, you don't want to look back and then have regrets about I should have done it. I should have done it. Mm. I should have just, you know not planned everything to a T and just take more risks. So it's about acknowledging that, I think, for, that's your first step. So it sounds like you're, you've acknowledged yeah, that. Yeah, she's and aware of it. Putting putting things in place. I think that's a good point, actually, yeah. because, that I mean, that's why I approach things like that. Like, well, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And I, I often say that. What is the worst that could happen? Will this Will this actually kill me? Yeah. No. Yeah. Then I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and like that's taking it to you know to the the end end of it, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you know the more I adopted that mindset about you know over planning and trying to prepare for every eventuality, we can't. Like we don't know what those eventualities are. Yeah. So my biggest fear is like, of regretting not trying something. I don't want to die wondering. So there's a there's a, a line there between that approach and planning for everything that is a different line for everyone and you just kind of need to find that, I think. But, yeah, good luck. I think that's better. <laughs> we finally got around to answering that question properly. <laughs> we just had to process it yeah. out loud. Next question is from Isabel and she asks, I have something I've been struggling with for years on my journey to simplicity. Same. It may <laughs> sound silly but I have – many friends and family who want to talk on the phone often and for a long time. I love my friends and family, but see talking on the phone as a waste of time most of the time. I'm just not a phone person. It takes a lot <laughs> of my time. I've tried talking with while driving, hands-free, of course, you don't want to break the law, or doing things at the same time, but that sometimes seems to be disrespectful to some. How have you handled the amount and time of communications with loved ones? <laughs> I hate talking on you the phone. You hate talking on the phone. Like I detest talking on the phone. I will do it because I'm, you know, polite. But very rarely will I actually call anyone unless I need something specifically. And then for me, that's going to be a really short conversation. It's like, hey, mum, can I come down and take the kids for a swim? Uh, yeah, sure. Great. See you soon. Like that's what in my ideal world, that's what it would be. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have family who like, we all live pretty close together, but I don't see them very often. So 
you know, they'll often call and we'll have a, a chat for about half an hour. And like, that's, it's fine. I'm not complaining about the fact that I'm staying in touch with my family, but I understand your feelings, Isabel, because it's, um, I, I don't know if it's an introvert thing, but I find talking like that really taxing. Mm. Um, and I'm also, Almost always there's something else that I could be doing or want to be doing. And while I do some things, particularly if it's my family, I'll do the washing up while I'm talking to them or something like that, uh, hang the clothes out. But typically I, I don't. Like, so I'll just sit there and it's sort of this, this frustration of sitting still and being trapped in a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of how, how can you deal with it, I don't know. I think part of it is just life, you know, and some people enjoy talking on the phone and they want to talk to you. So that's, you know, that's part of being in that relationship, I guess. But, I mean, I guess you could make yourself only available on the phone at certain periods of time as well and that people might hopefully will respect that. Uh, or if you set your, your phone to um, divert to voicemail for a certain number of hours a day that might give you a bit of extra space. And then when people do call you, you're able to, to give them the time that they need or the, the attention. Uh, and then that way, if people leave you a message, you can call them back at a time that suits you as well. So even if you get their message, send them a text and say, got your call, I got your, I got your message. I'll call you at seven o'clock tonight. Uh, then that will be a time that works for you, not vice versa. Uh, and I think, man, beyond that, I don't know. I'm not good at wrapping up conversations either. So as you could probably tell from the podcast, <laughs> so even though I'm, I might be wanting to get off the call, I, I don't find it easy to say, all right, well, thanks. Talk to you later. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ben's looked at me a hundred times on the phone and I'm like quite obviously trying to extricate myself from the conversation, but I'm not very good at it. So I don't know if you've got some advice, Ben. Well, I don't... The thing is, I I can't really relate because I I don't mind talking on the mm. phone. I've always again, I it, I never have a long conversation on the phone either. No. I can just get to the point. Your family it. is not a phone family. No, no, that's right. I think that's good advice, though. That you're you know you just don't make yourself available twenty four seven to be able to be on the phone, and then you you have a time during the day where you just got to suck it up and make those calls that mm. you. But you do it on your time rather than their time. The phone conversations are such... I just find them not a genuine form of communication. Oh, okay, really? I don't know. I just... I mean, compared to face-to-face, you don't have a problem with talking to people face-to-face. No, but I, I mean, like this is a whole different I know. issue, but I feel like I, I get drained from talking to... Like I need time, quiet Because you're an introvert. Yeah. So maybe this is not a question about simplicity, but rather a personality yeah but i do think it's possible to simplify the process by making by making yourself unavailable at certain times not dissimilar to email you know i mean email is not an immediate kind of form of communication it doesn't have to be uh and you could make phone calls similar for you you know have time Mm. where you just don't answer your phone and then you get back to people and say look i'll call you at whatever time works for you Mm. um that that's probably a practical way of dealing with it but I, I hear you, Isabel. I wonder whether phone, phones will become obsolete. Because, no. you know, more and more we're, we're doing it online, text messaging, no, I think there's, emails, you know, that sort of... Yeah, because I text message between my family all the time. We have do. this ridiculously long rolling family group message mm. full of poo emojis. Yeah, you do. 
<laughs> because we're all 12. Um, and that's not the same as talking. And, like, I don't want to sound like I don't enjoy talking to my sisters because it's, it's nice to catch up. Yeah. Um, but it's just not my favourite form of communication. So I don't think phones will become obsolete. I think people do enjoy talking because sending a text message or an email is not the same as having a conversation. Yeah. And quite often we can't get together physically, so it's the only time we get to catch up every few weeks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, like, driving and then, do, you know, cleaning and talking on the phone is disrespectful. You're just... You're just managing your time. Yeah, I can understand why you feel like that, though, because we talk so much about being present to people mm. and they've taken the time to call you and you're like, well, I'll use this chance to multitask and you know then that you're not 100% in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, so I understand why you feel. But, so that might, that might be, yeah, catch-22. You, you dedicate, say, an hour to making some calls and you just give it all during that yeah. time. Like you just sit down and just focus on that and your conversations could... Could have maybe because you're just in the moment and straight paying to the point attention, not yeah. driving or cleaning exactly. or yeah. I wonder whether that would work. Not sure, but that that's definitely an option to yeah. try. Let us know how it goes if that actually fits in with you, or if we're just making stuff up. The next question's from Ling, and she asked, "How has your journey over the last few years affected your friendships with old friends?" Have you also, in this time, found your tribe? Yes, we have. You people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys are our tribe. Yeah. Uh, that's a, another interesting question um, because I think it's struck at the same time as all of us, like our group of friends, or get, you know, getting married and having kids. So you tend to not spend nearly as much time together just naturally at that time. But I also think that as our interests have shifted, we've, I don't know, we've grown, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say that it's, it's caused our friendships no. to suffer because I don't think it has. No, but I, I, don't, I don't think so either. I think it's probably promoted a, a stronger friendship with, with those that matter. Yes, that's right. So the, the, those that we, we see as genuine friends, I think that that, and, you know, we still have very strong relationships and friendships with people that we've we've, no, we've known for decades. Um, what I what I feel like it has is it's it's the friendships that have been always on the outer, always on the peripheral. Yeah, they've fall, fallen yes. away. But I don't know but whether that's, not that's a bad thing. No, 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 definitely not. And there's yeah. nothing like that's no one's fault. That's just life. So I don't know whether or not that's because we've sort of shifted the yeah. way we're living yeah. and you know making these changes, or just because of life. Mm. And I feel like as you get older, your friendships become probably fewer, but, but more solidified. Yeah, and, and and real. I, I agree too. But so, but in in terms of finding our tribe, I mean, we've we've stayed connected with those friends who have we've had that really good connection with. And then it for me, um, like I don't make friends easily. I will say that, but that yeah. I never have. I'm very slow to form a friendship. Like some people jump into being friends really, really quickly, and that's natural for them. I, I, I'm pretty awkward, so it takes me quite a long time to feel at ease you with people. You need to really trust someone. Yes, don't you? Absolutely. You, they need to prove their. No, no, no. It's not prove. It's it's. I, I just need to feel like I can trust yeah. people. Like, like I'm quite loyalty and trust. Which yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, but I I think 
on in terms of friendships that aren't you know Ben and my friendships. I've really found my tribe this past couple of years, and that's mm. almost solely because of the work that I've been doing. Yeah, like with Belle and Kelly, particularly, uh, I've found my people through this online community of people who have a very, <clears throat> pardon me, a very similar approach to life, and that's a joy because I just didn't have anyone like that in like in real life. And now they've become real life friends via email and Facebook and Twitter. And then now actually, you know, spending time together in, in real life. So it's absolutely helped me uh, to find those, those close friends who I have a real affinity with. And then in terms of our friends, you know, the couples that we've been friends with for a long time, it's just solidified the ones that are important, I think. We're at the moment in Canada, but we're, we're yet to travel there. When this goes live, um, we'll be in Canada. But we are, we'll be catching up with friends that we've had and we haven't seen for 12 years. <laughs> so I think that will be really interesting. To, it will be to, interesting. To see how that's changed and whether we go straight back into uh, what it was like when 12 years ago. I, th- I think that's going to be really interesting. Maybe we should answer this question after that. It will revert back to like our 21-year-old selves. That's what, what I'm afraid of. For me, I haven't found my tribe yet. Mm. So uh, that's something that I really want to do and I really want to make more genuine connections with people in, in, this, in this community. So I'm looking forward to that, whether that's face-to-face, in person, or or over the uh, intranets. But, um, if you want to be Ben's friend, send an email to exactly. ben at ineedfriends.com. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> but you, I mean, you don't have a problem with making friendships. It's just, again, the same. I have no problem. I do it quite easily. Yes. But then it's like making it into that next level. I but can, I, I'm seeing myself good. as a pretty good judge of character. Mm-hmm. So while I can make friends easily, I can also see through people yeah. fairly easy as well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is from Rebecca. How are you guys managing to find down me time now that you're working more during the evenings? I'm a teacher and I've recently returned to work after my second child, but instead of doing supply, I now have a part-time job so lots of work at home when the kids go to bed i'm finding it incredibly difficult to find time for myself are there any specific strategies you guys use or is this just to deal with kids and work oh the new norm the new reality yeah it's it's a difficult one um but i think my answer is two part okay start with the first part okay the first part is that in part, it is just the deal with kids and work. Yeah. Like you're adding something new to the mix, which is your job. That means that something's going to give. Like we can't, conti- we can't add things to our lives and expect everything to remain the same, which sounds very basic on the, the surface of it. But the reality is we kind of expect to be able to do what we always have been doing, yeah. which is having some quiet downtime in the evenings, for example. <laughs> So you've added something new, that means it's going to change the dynamic and it's going to take a a period of adjustment for you to find your new normal, like Ben said. But I think the other part of it is something that Ben and I have discovered over the past uh, couple of months 
we've been self-employed for almost three months now. And that is that you just need, that you just have to know when to say stop as well. Because what we've discovered is there is always going to be more work to do. We could work 20 hours a day, seven days a week and not get to the end of work. And I mean, as a teacher, that would be similar for you as well, because there is going to always be more, you know, the, the, the terms keep coming and the kids keep learning and they continue to need to, to, you know, learn new things. So that never, ever, ever stops. And I don't say that to be depressing. I just say that because that's the reality of it. So you need to figure out when to stop as well and just give yourself some of that time. Like it's, I'm not saying it like it's easy because it's not, but it's a matter of, I guess, prioritizing and coming to understand what absolutely needs to happen, what needs to happen for you to make yourself feel like you're doing a good job, and then just give yourself permission to stop because it's not ever going to do it for you. Yeah, it's good advice to stop. The amount of times that I've had to like physically peel myself away from the computer because you know, because I said I'm stopping at 3 o'clock yeah. when the kids get home from school and I'm not starting working in until 8 o'clock when they go to bed. So that's really difficult, mm. and I found that really hard. So I, I know exactly where you're coming from. The other thing is you you need absolutely need some alone time, some solo time. Yeah, everyone does. You have to prioritize that. Schedule it. Schedule it. It's really hard when you know your husband's away from from you and all that sort of stuff. But you need to you need to like diarize it. Put it on the calendar. Make people aware that you're you need this time and that you will it's gonna happen on this date between these times. Yeah, either enlist the help of someone, your husband, a friend, family member, to maybe hang with the kids for an hour just so you can go for a walk or go to the coffee shop. And even that makes such an amazing sanity break, I think. Uh, and I actually, in saying that, I people used to give me that kind of advice and it made me so angry because Why? I'm like, well, because it wasn't that easy. Yeah. You know, my yeah. family and friends had other things to do. You worked, you know, full time, yeah. long days. Like I, it wasn't necessarily a possibility for me to actually be able to do that and to ask someone for their help. So, I mean, in that case, even something as simple as finding five minutes to hang the clothes out and make mm. it like a mindful exercise where you pay attention to the smell of, you know, the, the wet clothes and the snap of the pegs and the way the sunlight hits. Like, it's such a mundane thing, but it can be elevated to a moment of peace and a moment of time just for you, like almost a meditative sort of state. So that that is where I found my salvation in those really hectic first few years of having like a young baby and then an infant. Mm. That's those moments were the ones. If ever I got a chance to go to a coffee shop, like it was amazing and I loved it. Yeah, but so it's the small wins you're talking about. You might not get the hour, you might not get half the day for this alone time. Oh, look, and but, she might, but, but I don't want to make it sound like an impossibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when people used to say that to me. I'm like, yeah. that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't have the you know the ability to call someone when I want and say, well, I want to go for a coffee. I need you to help me get some alone time. So I think the the reality is we can own that even if it's only for a few minutes a day and it does make a difference like it doesn't feel like it's making a difference but it really does particularly if you do it every day and you find that time every day so absolutely if you've got the the support network in place to ask for 
you know, an hour every two weeks or something like that to go and get some downtime, then go for it. But also try and take it upon yourself to find those little pockets of time as well. Um, but the other side of it, like I started with, was is simply to say um, it's the new normal for you at the moment and that will continue to change as your your job changes, as your kids get older and things get a little less like crazy hectic for you. Um, but you've got to learn when to stop and feel okay by saying, that's it, I'm done for the day, now I go and read a book or now I go and go to bed. So with the you know the five and ten minutes snippets mm. during your day where you, you have some mindful lone, alone time, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some of the things that you can do in those five to ten minutes? Are I used to just – strategies? I used to, when the kids were really very young, if I could snag two minutes to sit on the lounge and breathe – or pay attention. So I would breathe in for three, hold for three, out for three, hold for three. And I'd Tri- do that. Triangle, triangle breathing. Well, yeah, or triangle breathing like yeah. our daughter get, is, yeah. is taught at school. Um, it's a mindfulness kind of breath exercise. But so that that's one thing. The other thing I would do in that same scenario is sit there and pay attention to each of my senses one by one. So I'm sitting here right now. What can I feel? I can feel, you know, the, the floor under my feet and it's cold. And I can feel this like the seat under my butt and up my back and it's it's soft and warm and I can feel, you know, the breeze from the fan and I what can I hear? I can hear the fan, I can hear the birds, I can hear a car outside and you really immerse yourself in each of your senses for 30 seconds and go through them each singularly. And that is something else that has been transformational for me. Again, it seems so simple. You're like, that's so simple and easy. It, what could it possibly do to change how I'm feeling? But it's phenomenal that it, it really does. It just gives you time. And I'm sure there's scientific reasons behind it. And I know yeah. Scott Eblen in a previous episode yeah. spoke about what actually happens when we deep breathe and how it changes our, um, you know, our, our, uh, nerve system things like that and i've got an episode coming up with a doctor who talks about the importance of breath mm-hmm. and just taking that time to slow down and how it impacts us physically as well as mentally so that's that's a really simple thing that you can do or even when the if you're boiling the jug first thing in the morning while you're waiting to make a coffee use that as a moment to do some stretches that's often what i used to do when the kids were little i'd get up early no one else was awake I'd boil the jug to make a coffee and use that two minutes to do a very brief, you know, salute to the sun, something like that in the kitchen, like on the kitchen floor. Yeah. So like I said, you could take something as mundane as hanging the clothes out or doing the dishes and use that as a moment to single task as well, which again is just like a really mindful exercise. You're just paying attention to what's happening, you know, the bubbles on your hands, the sunlight coming through the kitchen window. And again, that just takes you into your senses and out of your head which I found to be incredibly helpful. And if you can find the time to do two or three of those a day, it's not going to get you your hour in the coffee shop or, you know, your hour reading a book at home, but it will give you that that space, that break that can often mean the big difference between collapsing in a heap at the end of the day and getting through and finishing the day strong. Mm. The other thing is that a little mantra um and look to the power of three. Often talk about the power of three being very easy and uh, to under to to remember and to get into a bit of a mantra. So I'm here, I'm present, I'm mindful. To repeat that over and over again. Mm. It's that positive 
reaffirmation as well. So it's, it's again, a, a triangle. I don't know what that means, but I always find that... That's, yeah, that's, there's something in triangles that. Triangles, for some reason, are really, are really powerful for me. The number three, getting into some pretty deep stuff here. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? No, no, that I do. That really works for me. I need to remember things in lots of three. Yeah. I, like, when I am doing yoga, if I'm... Work, rest, play. Location, location, location. Slip, slop, slap. Are you just saying words now? No. And saying that you love them? Yeah. I love lamp. I love lamp. I love you. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think there's some practical... Whatever works for you. But she doesn't know what works for her. That's why she's asking us. (laughs) I think there's some practical ideas there and also just... You know, it's a matter of of shifting mindset for now and and giving yourself time to discover what your new normal is. I think that's important. Like, don't feel like you're failing or doing the wrong thing because things feel difficult at the moment because they are. You know, it it does take time to feel out our new normal, particularly when you've made such a big change, like going back to work and you've got the two kids. Um, And also you're doing a good job. Like, just be aware of the fact that you're doing a really, really good job. Absolutely. Marina writes in, this is our last question, I think, mm-hmm. for the day. How do you balance intentional with purpose living with jobs that are not of the intentional nature? For example, should you go to work in a mall if you are against excessive consumption? How do people reconcile their work lives and their slow living intentions? Do people separate one from the other? But then how do we feel as one whole person? I feel like we should write an essay on this mm, one. This is a fantastic question that digs right down into the guts of it. And I think it's asking about the issue that so many people feel uncomfortable with, you know, particularly as we start to explore slow living and simplifying and minimizing whatever you want to call it. We, we start to realize that basically everything we do is hypocritical, you know, and I think, like that's an uncomfortable truth that I've had to, to come to terms with because there are still many things that I do that are at odds with the way that I choose to live and the way that I continue to try to change my life towards. But um, I think accepting the fact that like where we're at is where we're at and that's fine. And there is, there is no way that we can turn around on a dime and say, my life is going in this direction now and then have everything change with it because that's not how it works. So I think you need to not beat yourself up over where you are and where you've been and only continue to take those small steps towards the kind of life that you want, which down the track may include a change in jobs. Uh, and that's something that Ben will be able to talk to a bit because that's essentially one of the big reasons why you made the shift to self-employment this year because it was no longer in keeping with the way we were living but that took years oh, years and years yep. and years of Four us years, making changes in all other areas of our life to a point where his job became almost untenable if we were trying to keep to the, the slower way yeah, of life. Reach the tipping point, doesn't it? Exactly. But I think you need you can't you can't necessarily push that and you can't fabricate or manipulate that to any real mm. extent. Like it's it's just an unfolding. So 
<laughs> it's a really good question. You know, if I'm against excess consumption or, you know, consumerism and I go and work in a shopping mall, how does that fit? I mean, I think the question is if you already have those values in place and then you go get the job, it's a different thing to making yeah. the change while you have the job. That's it. So I think that um, – and again – it depends on the circumstances because if your family's going hungry and you need to pay the bills, you just go and get a job because that's your number one value. You know, putting a roof over your family's head, making sure that they're safe and fed and sheltered. Yeah. So for me, there's two two things here, two two issues. One is your personal values and your morals, and they're two separate things. And I think it's making this distinction which will help people. Otherwise, it's a little bit perilous, uh, perilous, paralysis by analysis. One, the value. So what you actually value, and I think that is all about the intentional piece. And you need to separate that from what morally what you can and can't do. So for an example, morally, I've had to say no to jobs that in my um, freelance work, PR and communications work, I didn't want to work for a poker machine company. So I had to say no to that. I just wouldn't do it. Same with like a tobacco company. I would never do PR communications for, for that. So morally, I just wouldn't work for, for those sorts of industries. But then values, I think, is a separate thing. And it's not, it's not as black and white as that. It is, it's a gray area. And it's like you're saying, it's, it's not, you don't just immediately say, no to this, no to this, no to this. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't walk in, work in a mall. I wouldn't work in this shop because they sell a product that I know is not sustainable. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's that comes after a period of time. And if you're if you're specifically worried about that, then you know you're you you'll end up sort of questioning absolutely everything you do. And it it is it, it's that paralysis mm. um, through analysis issue thing is, the thing is it's not going to be perfect the, that's the right value piece it's going to be some things that you just won't feel comfortable with and that's always going to be the case mm. i'd never what do you think about that um i, I don't know I, I don't know whether i've articulated that exactly how i wanted to but I find that values and morals are two different things. I've, I've never really thought to separate them in that way, but that mm. makes it does make sense. Mm. Um, I think Marina asks, do people separate one from the other? And I think I think we do, and I think that's why we find ourselves in many situations where we're questioning our choices and our behaviours because we <clears throat> we talk. We talk the talk, but then we go in and act in a way that isn't in accordance with that. And like we all do it in some capacity. And Sarah Wilson wrote a really good blog post last year, and I'll link to it in the show notes, about being a hypocrite. And, you know, all of these things that she espouses, you know, like not wearing makeup and all that sort of stuff and, you know, um, uh, accepting our personal beauty and things. And then she writes about how she wears makeup for all of her commercial work and colors her hair and all that kind of stuff. We all make those kind of, of compromises partly because, you know, because of the world that we live in, partly because it's really difficult to live 100%, uh, you know, to these values all the time, particularly as we're still learning and figuring it out. 
So I think we do separate, we do separate one from the other. Um, but it's, I think ideally we'd like to bring them all together because it does impact us. I mean, I personally feel internal pressure when one is butting up against the other, you know, when my, when my values or morals are kind of called into question with my behavior, like I feel an internal sort of pressure with that. And I think you can't live like that. You're going to drive yourself mad. So I think acceptance where we are right now is where we're at and what small behaviors, what small changes can I make moving forward every day that are going to bring me closer in alignment with the way that I want to live. And like I said, that might mean down the track, a change in jobs. It might mean down the track, a shift in, you know, a particularly, you know, changing to solar powered house or something like that. Like, but those things aren't going to happen immediately. And we just can't beat ourselves up about where we currently find ourselves. That's it. You value those things and your work towards making that happen over a longer period of time. The thing is go easy on yourself as well. You're you're naturally bound to be very hard on yourself, critical of yourself, where I think that living intentionally and with purpose, I think you just need to be softer and kinder with, with yourself. And understand that we are a work in progress. That's it. Like the whole exactly. the whole thing is a work in progress. And I, I, I don't think there is a destination. I've said that a hundred times about slow living. There's no ideal destination that you're going to arrive at one day and go, great, I'm done. It's an evolution, a constantly shifting, evolving place that we're working towards. And it's, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's – I'm not saying that to sound sort of – depressing that mm. you're never going to get there it's more just the 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 joy is in the process and that process is the constant questioning and iterating and changing and evolving that we're doing and that asking questions like marinas is you know moving us towards so i think really that's that's kind of a roundabout answer but i would just i would really suggest strongly that you know don't beat yourself up over these you know, the, these perceived kind of compromises and allow yourself the the time and the space to, to evolve and to change. Well, that's it for episode Mm-mm. number 60. Thank you very much for your questions. I, how do I feel? I feel very drained. Answering, After, the, answering these questions. These were, these were deep ones. These were, were yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I, I feel like I could answer them again and give slightly different answers. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's very... Ben, it's okay. You're evolving. You're changing. Allow yourself I'm... the room to grow as a person. <laughs> I need to not be so hard on myself, so critical. <laughs> but it's true. I, people could ask me these questions every day and I would give a slightly varied response every time because, you know, because sometimes my brain isn't firing on all yeah, cylinders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, future us is jet lagged. Give us a break. I know. <laughs> Jet lag before I even got on the plane. I do hope that that's that's been helpful. I mean, and I also hope that it it kind of shows you guys that we don't have all the answers no. at all. And I know that we've never said that we do, but we really don't. So. <laughs> Write in to us if you feel like you uh, can add value to any mm, of those please. questions because we certainly would uh, would love to hear from you um why don't you leave a comment on today's post at slowyourhome.com forward slash 60 and also again leave some slow travel 
questions yes, if you've got any or any other slow living questions and we'll pop them in our, our list of questions to cover off in future hostfuls. Until next time, au revoir. See you later. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.